This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 302. In today's episode, since I have had a lot of photography students email or DM me or private message me about it, in today's episode, I wanted to share a list of essential gear that any beginning photographer needs. Now, I've somewhat covered some parts of this in the past in the previous episodes, but I figured since I'd gotten quite a few questions about it lately, maybe it was a good idea to revisit this topic with a complete list of essential equipment for somebody that's just starting out in photography. Now, this list does not include camera body, as it is something you need to decide first. But once you've purchased your camera body, these are the other top essential items that you really need to have and consider purchasing as soon as you can. Prime lenses. The first thing you need to consider is prime lenses. And although many camera bodies come with what is referred to as a kit lens, these are usually mediocre lenses at best. And you should really acquire some good prime lenses. But first, you need to decide what style or styles of photography you want to shoot. So if you plan to do mostly landscapes, then you'll want a good prime wide angle lens, such as the 24 or 28 millimeter f2.8. A good one if shooting Canon would be the 24 millimeter STM pancake lens if you're shooting Canon APS-C. Now, if you're shooting Fujifilm like I currently am, I highly recommend uh, the XF 16mm f2.8, which is a 24mm in full frame equivalent field of view. Now, if you plan to mostly shoot portraits, then I would recommend any of the following. A good 50mm, 85mm, 105mm, or 135mm, depending on the system you're shooting with. Now, what I mean by that is if you're shooting Canon, then the primes are, the main primes are going to be the 50mm, and you could use the f1.8. It's a relatively inexpensive lens and makes decent images, but that's only if you have a limited budget. If your budget can allow it, you want to upgrade to the 50mm f1.2L which is considerably more expensive. Now, if you're still shooting EF or if you're adapting EF lenses to a Canon R body, there's also the 50 millimeter F1.4 gold band USN, but that one was a bit soft. So I'm not quite so sure I would recommend that one. Now for an 85 millimeter, you can get an F1.2L or if you're shooting EF, you can also choose from the 85 millimeter 1.8 USM gold band. Now that is a fantastic lens. I had that used it for many years. Now Canon also has an excellent 135 millimeter F2 in the EF mount and they just recently released their RF version which they released as a 135 millimeter F1.8. So a little bit wider maximum aperture. 
for the RF mount. Now, in Nikon and Sony, they offer a 50 millimeter 1.2 and 105 millimeter f 1.4, which are preferred for shooting portraits for most Nikon and Sony shooters. They absolutely love the 105 millimeter. Now, don't get me wrong, Canon or I mean Nikon and Sony do also release release an 85 millimeter portrait lens. And again, you could look at that option as well. It's going to be kind of up to your your portrait style of shooting. Um, if you want a little bit wider field of view for doing couples and stuff like that, you're probably going to want to go with the 50 or the 85. Uh, but if you wanted the compression, the depth of field, and the slightly longer reach for tight, like head and shoulder shots, something like that, then you might opt for the 105 or 135. Now, if you're shooting Fujifilm X-Series, then you want to look at the XF 33mm f1.4, which is a 50mm full-frame equivalent, and the 90mm f2 as a 135mm full-frame field of view replacement. So, that would still get you to about the 135mm field of view for portraits. Now, on the other hand, if you plan to shoot mostly macro, then go with an actual macro lens, which is generally uh, has a wide aperture such as f2 or f2.8. And they vary in focal length from 60 to 90 millimeters. Uh, Canon at one time even had a 50 millimeter f2.5 macro lens in the EF mount. Although a lot of your macro shooters prefer to have 100 millimeters plus for their macro work. So, your mileage may vary. It's kind of a personal preference thing when it comes to macro. Tripods. The next thing that is a must-have purchase is a good sturdy tripod as they allow you to do long exposure photography. Now, a tripod allows you to use a lower ISO without having to worry about camera shake, but which tripod will be right for you? Now, the best tripod should be a nice balance of portability and sturdiness. You want one that will have the ability to hold the weight of your heaviest lens and camera body combined with a good strong ball head. Now, many photographers will say that they prefer Arca Swiss style plates, and I have recently come around to this type since I purchased the Platyball tripod ball heads. I recommend a good, sturdy carbon fiber tripod as they are a nice mix between lightweight and high strength, especially when you get into the 10x thickness of the carbon fiber. Now, another tripod to consider when you get to the point of wanting and being able to afford two tripods, I would also recommend a flat tripod from Platypod as well, such as the Platypod Ultra or the new Platypod Extreme. Now, again, Platypod is not a sponsor of this show, but they are sponsoring my next giveaway contest, which will be coming up very soon. Now, many people think that a carbon fiber tripod is just way too expensive, but there are some excellent models out there that won't break the bank. One that I highly recommend is KNF Concepts. Theirs is a 10X carbon fiber tripod that I've been using for a few years now. Now, the particular model that I have um, is no longer available, but they've come out with a revamped version of it. So you're still not missing out on much. And it's only $149. So you can find the link in this article in the show notes. Just click on the KNF Concepts and that'll take you right to the listing on Amazon. So at $149, it is not a super steep price. When I first bought mine 
three, four years ago, it was like close to $200. So it's very affordable for many photographers. Now, this model includes a detachable monopod, which is super handy for when you don't need the full tripod. And it also comes with a pretty solid ball head. Now, another option to consider when looking at tripods are Benro. They make excellent tripods in both aluminum and carbon fiber, as do Gitso and Manfrotto. But when you get to these brands, you're getting up there a little bit higher in price. So keep that in mind. If you want to opt for an aluminum tripod, that's absolutely fine. You will save even more money by going with aluminum. But keep in mind that aluminum is going to be considerably heavier to lug around out in the field all day. So just keep that in the back of your mind when you're selecting your tripod. Speed lights. When working as a photographer, you will have times when you just need more light, and a good speed light comes in handy for these instances. Now, I know you're thinking that the ones made by your camera maker run anywhere from $500 to $1,000. And although this is true, you can save some money by buying either Yongnuo or Godox. Yongnuo makes knockoffs of Canon and Nikon speed lights. And they sell them for pretty reasonable prices on Amazon. You can find them on there all day long. For example, they have a knockoff of the Canon 580EX2 Speedlight, which from Canon ran about $600. Uh, you can get the Yongnuo knockoff, which has all the same functionality. It physically looks just like the Canon one. And the Yongnuo one is like $170 or something like that. So it's considerably cheaper. And it also depends on what style of speed lights you want. If you want TTL, if you don't care about TTL, you just want an all manual one, then they can get considerably cheaper by going that route. Now, Godox is one of the best speed light makers in the industry. That is not an actual camera maker. And you can pick up a good Godox Speedlight for around $180, and some of them are even cheaper still. Um, if you're on Adorama's site, I believe on there, they sell them under the brand name Flashpoint, which is for Adorama, but they're still actually uh, Godox Speedlights, so the exact same thing as the ones with the Godox name tag on them in Adorama. Uh, deference to Flashpoint, which is just a generic term that they sell them under at Adorama. And I'm not sure they might offer them under the Flashpoint brand at B&H as well. But either way, like I said, they're both Godox and they make excellent speed lights and speed light triggers. So you can never go wrong there. External hard drives. Now, external hard drives are always a must as you never know when your computer might have a failure. So it's best to have your images backed up somewhere. Now, additionally, it's good to have smaller portable hard drives for using when shooting in the field or on location. And I recommend using the SanDisk SSDs as the solid state hard drives are much faster and a lot more durable, but they're also more expensive. So you might need to go with the Western Digital or a Seagate portable hard drive as they are substantially less expensive. Now, if you're interested in the SanDisk SSDs like I have, now is the time to buy it because they have them on sale for the holiday season and the sale is still ongoing. So you can uh, save a significant amount of money by picking one up over the holiday period and save yourself some green. Memory cards. Now, you cannot take photos with a modern digital camera, whether it's a DSLR or mirrorless, without memory cards. 
Most cameras today have at least one or two SD card slots, which is great. And many corner stores and camera stores have a large selection of SD cards at various capacities and price points. And you can also find them on Amazon, Walmart, you know, Walgreens, CVS, a plethora of different sites and stores where you can pick up SD cards fairly easily. Now, some of your higher end cameras might also use compact flash, CFast or CF Express cards, which are also fairly common, but a bit more expensive. Now, when purchasing memory cards, you also want to get a good memory card holder to put your spare cards in to keep them safe when you're out in the field. And I say spare cards, as I've always recommended, having multiple cards as card failures can happen. It is fairly rare, but they do happen. And when it comes to a memory card holder, I recommend the ones made by Pelican, which are airtight and waterproof. So they will do an excellent job of keeping your cards safe from the elements when you're out in the field. All right, I'm going to take a short break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Reflectors. Okay, so an inexpensive yet essential addition to portrait photography, especially in the portrait photographer's beginner's kit, is a reflector. And a reflector is used to direct supplementary light into your frame. Now, while a speed light may be more convenient, no two light modifiers look the same. So it's important for photographers to have multiple options on hand to create different looks. Note that there are several different types of reflectors available, each sporting different surfaces and materials. For instance, a shiny silver reflector will significantly brighten highlights and shadows, while a white reflector will produce a much softer more subtle and pleasing light for portrait work. So keep that in mind. Filters, both polarizing and ND filters. Though it may not look like much, a polarizing filter can make a huge difference to landscape and nature photography. Polarizers eliminate reflections and bring out colors such as lush green foliage, beautiful blue skies, and more. Also useful is the neutral density or ND filter, which drops the overall light level in the scene. And as a result, you can create long exposure images during daylight hours while retaining detail in your highlights. So I highly recommend having both a polarizing filter and an ND filter. Now, a good rule of thumb is if you're going to do this, buy your filters in like an 82 millimeter size. Even if none of your lenses have a front element that large, still buy an 82 or 100 millimeter filter 
and then buy a good quality set of step-up rings, which are really cheap, and you'll be set. You'll be able to use that one polarizing filter with every lens that you have, and the same with the ND filter. So that'll save you quite a bit of money and time and frustration. And you can have one set of filters to rule all of your lenses. Bags and carrying cases. Now that you have all this shiny new gear, you need a good bag or carrying case to put it all in to keep it safe and make it easier to lug around out in the field or on location. Now, there are a number of good bags on the market, and it's a matter of taste. Some like the messenger-style bags, and others prefer a nice camera backpack. Now, another option is a nice Pelican case with wheels and a telescoping handle. But keep in mind, Pelican cases are quite expensive. And a less expensive alternative would be the Apache cases sold at Harbor Freight. Now, these cases are made to pretty much the same specs as Pelican, but cost from one half to one quarter the price of a Pelican name brand case. And I'm not knocking Pelican. They make fabulous cases. They just are more on the expensive side. So when you're first starting out as a photographer, you're probably better off stopping by Harbor Freight and getting those Apache cases. Now, the Apache cases also have the same air pressure release valves on them for transport in an airplane's cargo hold, just like the Pelican cases. And they do have the rubber, rubber gasket around the top of the case when it's open so that when you close it, it's completely watertight to keep your gear absolutely safe from any water. Cleaning supplies and kits. Now, a much less glamorous part of photography is cleaning and maintaining your camera gear. Now, this is a good time for picking up microfiber cloths for wiping down your lenses, both the front and the rear elements, as well as your viewfinder and rear LCD on the camera body. Alcohol wipes are also a must-have for your cleaning kit, uh, especially for cleaning the outside of the camera body and the lens barrels, as well as the outside of your speed light to keep them nice and clean and in good shape. A good sensor cleaning kit is also a must-have if you have the stomach for cleaning your sensor yourself. And you can find these kits in camera shops and on Amazon, but I would use caution buying them on Amazon as some of them will damage your sensor. So be very careful there. In addition, you can also you also need a nice rocket blower to remove dust particles from inside your camera sensor area, especially if you're shooting out in the field and you need to change lenses frequently. That's why I always recommend when you get to the point where you can afford it, have at least two camera bodies and put one type of lens on each body out in the field and just leave it. Don't change them out in the field if you can absolutely avoid it. It'll save you a lot of cleaning time and a lot of headaches. Trust me. <laughs> rechargeable batteries. So, of course, no camera setup is complete without enough rechargeable batteries. Now, not just for your camera, but also some good AA batteries for your speed lights, unless you have the Godox ones, which come with their own rechargeable lithium-ion battery. Now, I recommend that you go on Amazon or you can go into Costco and pick up the AnyLoop, E-N-E-L-O-P-E, Double uh, A batteries. Their rechargeable double A batteries are super high quality. They're not expensive, but they last a very long time. I have tons of them uh, for my various electronics around the house. Now, 
Additionally, rechargeable AA's can also be used to bring your camera back to life out in the field if you have one of the battery grips that includes a tray allowing you to use AA in addition to your camera maker's standard batteries. And there are quite a few battery grips on the market that do that, especially for Canon bodies and stuff like that. So keep that in mind as well. So in conclusion, this list should set you up for success as a beginning photographer. Although one last item I also recommend is a color checker. Now the color of the light can change dramatically depending on the time of day, the weather and the environment. And you as the photographer need to keep your images looking both accurate and consistent, especially when doing portrait in product shoots. That's where a color checker comes in. You place it in the scene, then use its gray values to adjust the white balance in post-processing. Now, while a color, color checker isn't the most important piece of kit on a photography equipment list, it's essential to have one for any sort of commissioned professional work. You'll want to be sure that your colors are absolutely spot on. Now, in particular, the Color Checker, Checker Passport Photo 2 kit is useful tool to have. Also, by simply referencing a photograph of the color grid taken within the environment that you're photographing, you can easily get the perfect color by sampling a gray patch in post. Now, this immediately eliminates any sort of color casting. Consequently, the other colors included can be used to instantly apply tints. So even if you're in a sterile studio environment or a specific location, this little tool can save you hours of post-editing time. So definitely recommend checking one of those out. And if you click on the link uh, where it says Color Checker Passport Photo 2 Kit in the show notes, it'll take you right to the kit that I use by, I think it's by Calibrite. Um, then you can buy it directly on Amazon. So that way you don't have to hunt around for one. I've already provided you a direct link to one of the best ones on the market. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 302 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber to the show, why not? 
It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just click that subscribe button on the summary page for the show, and you'll be uh, you'll be subscribed, and you won't miss any future episodes. And there's also a huge catalog of back episodes you can go back and listen to. Today is episode 302, so you've got this episode and another 301 in the back catalog that you can go back and listen to as well. And share the share the show out uh, with all your friends and family on social media and encourage them to subscribe. Again, it doesn't cost you anything, but it will help grow the show's audience. I also recommend that you stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos release. And I will have another new one out this weekend that you want to check out. Last weekend's video was posted a day earlier. I did it on Saturday, and that was of the PANS snap-in filter system for the iPhone 14 Pro Max, but the system is is also available for the 12 Pro Max and the 13 Pro Max. So head on over to the channel, check out that video, and leave your comments below the video. All right, that's going to wrap this one up. I will see you all again on Sunday.